as we begin our uh, second part of our series on Ecclesiastes. And so, Father, I pray as we open up a word into a very profound truth about seasons, that you would speak to us and touch us and mature us, and we might become more like your son, Jesus, and walk through life, Lord, in fear of you, in a healthy, holy awe of who you are, and uh, humility and brokenness before you, almighty God. So we surrender ourselves to you, Lord. Speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And actually, we're in a, in a uh, second part. It's going to be a three-part series, which we'll finish next week. So again, I want to encourage you, read the book of Ecclesiastes in your spare time and uh, in your devotional time over this uh, three-week ch- chunk. Last week, if you were not here, uh, and again, Ecclesiastes is after Psalms and Proverbs in the middle of the Old Testament, as you're looking for it. But last week, we began our series on Ecclesiastes by looking at the emptiness of earthly wisdom, success, and pleasure. And uh, it was a great message. I want to encourage you to pick it up on the way out if you were not here. As Ecclesiastes is the one philosophy book of the Bible, which raises the deep question about life. Why am I here? What's true? Where am I going? What's it all about? And uh, how do I find meaning and purpose in life? And so uh, we looked at the three major ways that people find meaning, which is pleasure or success or worldly wisdom. And uh, the author shows us they all come up empty. And the book ends in the climax at the very end by saying uh, we cannot find life, true meaning and purpose in life, apart from God. And uh, looking at life from his perspective. And everything else, if we don't do that, everything else is meaningless that we may invest our lives in. It's like smoke. And a couple of you got sick from the smoke last week, all right? It's vapor because you can't hold on to it. All right, today I want to look at chapter 3 as we move through the book. And uh, actually next week uh, I'm going to talk about death which is a major theme in the book of Ecclesiastes as it gives a backdrop to all of life. Uh, Now, before I read chapter 3, because we're going to talk about seasons, Um, I don't know about you, but I I rely heavily on my day timer to organize my life. And some of you are into Palm Pilots. Um, Palm Pilots are a little too advanced for me, uh, technologically. But, you know, my Palm Palm, I I write dates, you know, on Sundays, you know, obviously New Life and church and, you know, appointments on Wednesdays or a speaking engagement over here on Tuesdays and, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. But I, I look at that daytime as I structure my life, as I have appointed times for, for, for things to do and people to meet. The problem is that God interrupts my daytimer all the time. And it turns out that God's got appointments that he shoves in my daytimer that basically nullify what I've written down. And part of what Ecclesiastes is about is he's going to say, listen, A wise man or a wise woman understands that God holds the daytimer. And he calls them seasons. And God determines when there's going to be a season for this or a season for that. And only a fool thinks they can control and plan out their life apart from God. But true wisdom is walking in what's called the fear of the Lord. Of the the humility of holy awe of life because God's got appointments and Seasons and dates in your life daytimer, or in some of your case, in your Palm Pilot that you know nothing of. And when that moment comes, you know what? You've got to adjust everything. And so he writes in chapter 3 a very famous passage because to, to grasp this passage, and I actually preached a message similar to this a number of years ago, it's so profound, it's so deep that if you can absorb this, you know, not just intellectually, but in your spirit, in your lifestyle, Uh, The implications are so vast. Uh, You will be what 
The Bible considers a wise woman or a wise man, and you'll have a lot less anxiety in life, for sure, and you'll walk through life with a great deal more joy, contentment, and a sense of being present to receive all of God's gifts as they come along. But it's a very hard lesson to learn, especially, I, I, I think it comes through much age and suffering to grasp it. So let's begin reading in chapter 3, where uh, it begins by saying, verse 1. In fact, I'll make some comments as I, as I go along here, all right? If you can uh, just hang with me. It begins by saying, there is a time for everything. Literally, it says in, in Hebrew, there's an appointed time for everything. And a season, underline that word season, that's our theme here. A time and season for everything. There's a season for every activity under heaven. And it begins to, to, takes 14 now, really divided in groups of two, seasons. And actually seven is the number of completion. It's seven groups of two you're going to see broken down here. And meaning that encompass, encompasses everything in life. God's got a season. A time, verse two, a time to be born and a time to die. God appointed the day you were born. God has appointed the day you will die. Only he knows those two dates. And in fact, everything in between is in his hands as well. All right, so it begins with this big overall appointment. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. And again, in an agricultural society, God says a time to be planting into the soil and there's a time to be uprooting so you can prepare for the next time. In the same way, there's a time to plant in life what you're about to do for the future. It's a planting time. And then there's a time also to end what you're doing so that you can prepare for a new beginning. The time to uproot what you've done because God's got something new for you. There's a time for that. All right. Number three, a time to kill and a time to heal. Now, again, he's observing life. There's times of death. There's times of healing. A time to tear down and a time to build. And again, the time to tear down what you've built. And it's a time to build something new in life. There's a time for that. A time, then it goes into the emotional world. The time to weep and a time to laugh. Some of us, we just laugh all the time. God says, no, you know what? There's also a time to weep. Some of us are weeping all the time because there's also a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. So love that. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. Again, most commentaries believe it's referring there to, to material wealth. There's a time to scatter stones and a, a time to, to gather them, referring to, to wealth. The time to embrace relationships. A time to draw close. There's also a time to refrain. It's a wisdom to refrain at times as well. And wisdom is discerning what season is it in these relationships. There's a time to search and a time to give up. Interesting, huh? And a time to tear, I'm sorry, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. Again, back to material possessions. A time to hold on to things, a time to throw them away. Some of us, we are, we are what's called pack rats. We throw away nothing. God says a time to throw things away and let it go, just like there was a time to gather in. He goes on, a time to keep, I'm sorry, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. Again, in Hebrew culture, tearing referred to the, in times of great grief and sadness, they would rend their clothing, they would tear their clothing as an expression of, of great grieving. And then at the end of that grieving period, they would take and they would stitch that clothing back up together in a, in a sense of restoration and moving on to, to the next phase of life. But he's saying there is a time to grieve 
and it's a tearing time. And don't miss it. But it's also a time to end that grieving, to sew it back up, and to move on. All right? There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. How about that one, huh? How many times did you open your mouth and afterwards say, Ah! Why wasn't I silent? Because there's a time to be silent and there's a time to speak. And he says there's a time to love and a time to hate. Some of you like that. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. All right. And a time for war and a time for peace. As he observes life, there's times for these things. Remember, Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but a, but a what? But, but a sword. There's a time for conflict so you can have true peace. Now, what he's going after here is that we desperately want to be in charge of life. We all like to control life. In fact, my first point, which would be very simple, that there's two choices. I'm going to spend some time on the first choice. Okay, we got, you got to, because the approach of Ecclesiastes is very negative. He, again, he wants, to, he wants to take the truth and he wants to kind of drill it in us and get us to really wrestle with it. And he says, the first choice is you can be frustrated, which is how most people live their lives, trying to control and manipulate life on your own terms. How many of you are trying to run life on your own terms? And once in a while, you consult with God to make sure he thinks it's okay. But pretty much, you know what? You're running your life. You're running your relationships. You're running your finances. You're running your jobs. You're running your career. You're running where you move. You're running how you, you, know, you're running how you spend your time. You're, you're basically, you're running things. And when God interrupts, you get very frustrated. You think, what nerve for him to intervene and step in and tell me it's a time for this. No, it's not. It's my time right now. I told Jerry, I said, I sometimes feel, as I'm growing older, and life just, you know, I, 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 I don't know. My, my observation in my own life is that as you grow older in life, it feels like life speeds up. And things seem to change more rapidly. And I said, I feel like sometimes I'm in a car going about 60 miles an hour. And I want the car to stop. But there's no brakes because God's driving the car. And it's like we're going through these red, you know, green lights. Because God says, light's green. I'm just bringing change, 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 change. And you know what? Part of that change, you know what, Pete? You keep getting older. I remember when I graduated high school, I didn't want to leave high school. We were having so much fun. Same with college. I didn't want to leave high school. I, mean, so much, I didn't want to go out and work. I loved studying, going to libraries, hanging out. And just going through life, I just keep, and my kids, I mean, my, our children are getting older. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, no, no, keep them small, you know. I can, you know, they're at home, I control them, you know, you know I lock the door, you stay home, you know. And, but, they're, you know, they're, they're growing and they're changing. And, and, and it's like, even in relationships, I, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I love so many People, I just, I so enjoy new life the way it is right now. And it's like, oh, you know, it's changing. We've got to buy a building, another season for the church. Like, no, I want to pull it back. And I want, I want kind of like time to stand still. But I recognize that I'm growing older. Jerry's growing older. You know, I'm just, you know, inevitably, I'm going, I'm going, I'm dying. I'm, I'm moving to my death. It's like, I'm, I'm losing it. It's all going to change. And a part of me wants to say, stop the car. I mean, I want to kind of, I want to, a part of me wants to, I want to run life. I want to control it. And Ecclesiastes says, that is the way of a fool. And you'll spend your life frustrated trying to control and manipulate life on your own terms because Ecclesiastes says, everything is meaningless. Remember that? Everything is meaningless is kind of the theme verse of Ecclesiastes. And that means smoke. It's a vapor. You, you can't hold on to it. it. It slips through your fingers. So he goes, don't try to hold on to anything in life because it's all going. There's no stability in life as we know it. Only in God. It's all a vapor. And um, it slips through our hands. I mean, I even, even, I don't know about you, but I, I don't like winter very much. I mean, I wasn't excited about a blizzard. 
the last couple of days. And I was like, gee whiz, I mean, you know, I like spring. I like summer. I'm like, let's go to Florida. Let's get out of here. I mean, it's, I mean, you go to Florida, you skip the winter. But it's cold. It's hard. It's like, it's like but, you know, God says, it's winter. And I love fall. Leaves change. It's beautiful. I love spring. But God says it's going to be a winter, too. Because God says, I control the seasons, not you. I'm in charge, not you. And you will go through all four seasons. And he goes, I'm running the universe, not you. And so if you look at this, you know, most of us, how, no matter how rich you are, no matter how brilliant you are, no matter how much skill you have, no matter where you live in the world, you cannot control the tides of life. They just come over you. They're coming, and you're participating in them, whether you like it or not. You can spend your life angry and frustrated with God because life is not turning out the way you want it, because you will if you try to control it. Because how many of you say to yourself, I never imagined the day that I would be doing this? He said, I never imagined that someday I would be a parent with kids, or I would be, you know, living here, I would be paying bills. Or, and, and all the time as you grow older, you say, I can't believe this. Because most of us, we're, we're part of our culture. Our culture is into technology and control. I mean, the dominant images that we hear in, our, in the radio, make, we're always making life. The Bible's dominant metaphor is farming and agriculture. That's the way the Bible looks. We grow like, you know, sowers and seeds and slowly. And, you know, it's got this whole metaphor of, of, of people slowly move and grow and are transformed as God plants seeds in our lives. The way we function in our society is we make money, we make friends, we make a living. We talk about people as resources. Our image is manufacturing. We make it happen. Dysfunctional people like they're machines. You know, we talk about people as liabilities, as assets, as dead weights. Because we like the idea of control, manufacturing, technology, make it happen. God says, no, 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 that's not the way I work. I work in seasons, and I work slowly. I mean, how many of you have been changed by God in a moment? Yeah, we have experiences that are tremendous, but let's face it, our growth is slow. It's not two steps, wham, it's done. It's slowly like farming, God says. From glory to glory, I'm changing you into my image. There is no shortcut, but we say, no, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to have an instant church. Every time I see, you know, and I, believe me, when we first started New Life Fellowship, I, I, bought, I, I bought all the American propaganda in the, in the church world, saying, you can have revival in your, in your letterhead. Revival all the time. It'll always be spring. That's a lie. You can't control God. You can't control the seasons. You can't have a church that's always in spring and summer and revival. There's no such thing. Churches go through seasons just like families do, just like individuals do. In fact, I, I don't know if this helps you, but, but if you look at it, um, you know, there's a season appointed for everything under heaven. Now, let's just take the fall, for example, autumn. Fall is a season of transition. Leaves are falling off the trees. You know, the animals are preparing for the, high, you know, for the winter, the hard winter. But we all go through, some of you are in transition today. You're just, in your life, you're just going through transition. You're not quite sure where it's all going to... You know, it's all heading, but you realize you're in some kind of transition. That's, that's kind of a fall season, you know? You can break it down to that. Then you got a winter. Winter seasons are hard. We call it winter seasons are, is loss, death. It's like, I don't know, will it ever be spring again? All I know is the leaves are gone. The fruit I had before, I don't see that anymore. Now it's dead winter. And I don't know. But it's a hard season. A number of you are probably in winters right now. Difficulties. But winters are preparations for, for the future. Just like when the reason that trees lose their, lose their leaves is because they're kind of closing in and preparing themselves behind their protective bark for the winter, the cold winter. And uh, then finally, spring comes, which is kind of a season of fruitfulness. 
and slowly the green emerges, flowers begin to blossom, you know, and, and uh, spring comes due. And actually, late spring is, is nothing short of sensational. And then finally, it's summer, and, and summer is, is a time of abundance. I mean, summers are, I mean, when I'm in summer, I'm like, winter? I don't even remember winter. And when you're in a summer season of life, you can, you can barely remember the hard times. You don't want to remember the hard times. But all the promises of fall and winter and spring come true in summer. It's a wonderful time. Uh, but life is not all summer. Life is fall, winter, and spring as well. And God says there is a season, verse 1, there is a season for everything. Nobody goes through life living in eternal spring. Think of Jesus, the life of Jesus. Think of the first 30 years of the life of Jesus. Was he in summer? No, I mean, Jesus was, he was dormant. He was in, he was in a probably I call fall transition, waiting, death. I mean, just waiting, nothing, and, and boom, three years. Tremendous fruit and abundance, ministry, healings, deliverances, then bam, death, winter. Imagine the disciples during Jesus' three days, he was, he was in the tomb. Imagine the disciples had a celebration. We're, we're, gonna, we're just going to have a feast. They're going to live in, in, as if it was springtime. It would be foolish. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the time for that. But Jesus models for us who, one who was broken before the Father and following his purposes for life. When Jesus was in the wilderness with the devil, that was a difficult season. He was not in Galilee having a revival meeting. It was not the season. Noah, when he was building an ark, getting ready for a flood, was not in revival either. Some of us want to be in revival meetings 24-7 our whole lives. And when we don't feel God moving in power, like, God's not here anymore, I'm getting out. And we quit. We, instead of staying the course faithfully before God, understanding there are seasons in life. How many of us, when you, I know, when I first became a Christian, I was, I was, for the first, I mean, really, for me, the first few years, I was like a maniac. I was like, I mean, everything was like, God, God, God. I mean, God was speaking everywhere, and the Bible was like on fire to me, you know. Every, every quiet time was like, whoa, you know. Revelation, I was like, wow. And I remember just all of a sudden, I hit this, all of a sudden, I was like, I opened the Bible. I was like, I'm not getting much out of this anymore. I go to church, I say, he's a hypocrite, isn't he? You know, I start judging him, looking around. I worship, that's boring. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a, in a, in a dark night of the soul, and my feelings were gone. Well, it was a different season. God was trying to grow me up. The Christian life is not all, you know, hallelujah. You don't come here every Sunday in summer. Yeah! No, somebody you come in, you walk in, you're depressed. You don't want to be here, but you're here because you're being faithful through the season, understanding that's how God works. And God built us to have structure in our life through things like worship and communion, which we'll do later, to give us a sense of he's permanent. But everything else is impermanent and unstable. And I walk through seasons, that's how I grow and mature. But I've got to walk through those winters as a follower of Christ. I can't avoid them. I mean, let's, you know, think of the inward winters that you go through. We all do. We, get, we go through a betrayal, we go through a failure, we go through a disappointment. And you're in this kind of winter and you say, ah. Oh. And, and, and you realize, it's a, if you understand the seasons, you realize, no, God has a gift in my winters. Now, I don't see it, but I'm going to wait. Because in those winters, God plants seeds that are germinating under the ground. And if you're going to really enjoy your winters, you have to go head force into them. And you absorb your losses as you wait on God. But make no mistake about it. Winters are not fun. But winters are a time of great growth happening to prepare for it. There is no spring without a winter, friends. Some of us want to live our Christian lives in spring. I'm telling you, if you're doing that, you're not in reality. It's an illusion. Because God says, I control the times and the seasons, not 
you. I mean, I, I think of, you know, um, small groups. And we've been doing small groups for 16 years at New Life in communities. All small groups must die. It's the most difficult lesson to learn. Every cell group has a season. Every community has seasons. It's got to take on new forms and shapes. If you, and I've tried to do this, hung on to the same small group year after year, it eventually becomes death. Oh, thank you. I was supposed to do that, wasn't I? Sorry. All right, thank you. We don't even own the building yet. Thank you. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Groups hating to die. A wise leader of a small group or community, even a church, understands that there are seasons and seeks to discern the seasons and make shifts accordingly. I have tried to keep certain small groups alive, and I've almost killed people in the process. Because, you know, God's moving. He moved last year. It was phenomenal. We're going to make it happen again, you know. You know, God's like, you know what, Pete, I'm trying to, you know, move this group into three, four different groups and have those people spread out. And I got some other things I'm trying to do here, but, but you're trying to push this thing and make it happen. It's over. It's okay. I'm God, not you. It takes great maturity to let it go and let it, right, a time to let it go so God can build something new. I mean, why, why is it, you know, think of American culture. We hate the fact that our bodies are changing. I mean, plastic surgery is a frenzy now. Because nobody wants to change and grow and let there be seasons. I mean, going from teenager to young adult to, to you know, to middle age to elderly, I mean, it's a challenge. And so we, got, we go plastic surgery. I mean, I, I meet folks that are going through so much surgery. It's like, oh my goodness, amazing. I should have been a plastic surgeon. Because people want to resist the fact that I'm moving to death. And nothing's going to stop that. And, uh, but again, the sad thing is, and I think parents letting go of children, that's a huge thing. I mean, I, you know, trying to hold on to kids. But some of us, temperamentally, we, temperamentally, we're, we're, we're winter people. Oh, sorry. That was, supposed to, that was the wrong thing. Oh, yeah, sorry. We, oh, there's a laser. Sorry. Some of us, we like this. And when God brings us to spring or summer, you know what we do? We temperamentally can't even receive the good things. Our temperament is just the glass is half empty. Now, things are always bad. God's killing it. Sometimes God's not killing things. It's really, God's trying to bless you to enjoy some fruit. But you're, you, you feel guilty enjoying life. Or you feel enjo guilty enjoying God's gifts. And as you'll see in just a minute, Ecclesiastes talks about the need to receive God's gifts regardless of the season that you're in. And again, others of us, we can't, we're, we're temperamentally, we're always up. We have a hard time going into winter because we want it always to be spring. All right, so that's your first choice, which is you can be frustrated trying to control life on your own terms. But here's the other choice. And this is the call of Ecclesiastes. It's a surrender to the joy of receiving God's seasons. Now, you got to catch this. It's a surrender, and it's to a joy, which we'll talk about in a minute, of receiving God's seasons. God's seasons are coming into your life, whether you like it or not. Most of us fight them when they come. And it's only until God wrestles us to the ground and pins us like a wrestler that we say, all right! But we had no joy in the process. We've not experienced God. In fact, if anything, our, our spiritual lives went downhill. When a time, they should have been going uphill. We should have been maturing and growing up in God. Now, Psalm 31, 15, is a, what a verse. David sang this. I, I just so appreciate it. He says, my times, or literally in Hebrew, my seasons are in your hands. What a great, what a prayer. What a surrender. Lord, my times are in your hands. You realize God will determine the day you, you die. But God will determine whether you walk out of this building alive. But my seasons are in your hands, God. You are the Lord. I mean, it's recognizing that, that 
that God is acting in grace. God's moving in history. And you know what? He's moving history. He's going to bring it to completion. He's in complete control. And just like the prophet said in the Old Testament to all these kings, King Nebuchadnezzar, King Ahaz, all the Israelite kings, said, you guys aren't in charge. The prophet would come and say, God's in charge. It's not the political actors or people who are rich or powerful. God's in charge. Don't ever get in the illusion that the times are in your hands. My times are in your hands, O oh God. And this was meant to break us. The, the purpose of chapter 3 and these times and seasons was, as, as you look at him saying, oh my goodness, God is so big. I, and it's meant to break you of trying to be God, of trying to be in control, of trying to manipulate things and break you to get you to surrender for, of your need for a savior. The purpose of the thorns and thistles and difficulties of life is to show you that you are finite. You are not God. You are a human being created in his image and you are, you are broken and you need a savior, Jesus, to lead you and guide you for life and to make you whole. But you can't do this on your own. And so in verse 11, you'll notice it goes on, you know, uh, verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. And literally what that says is, God has made everything, well, he made, the word there is from creation, Genesis 1, God has made everything appropriate, that's the Hebrew word, in its time. He, he has, in a sense of put everything together as a beautiful puzzle. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I want you to catch this for a minute. God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. Inside of you, made in God's image, there's something in you that, that, that wants to know how it all fits together. There's something in you, a spark of God made in his image. You want God. You want to understand meaning. You want to understand what's the purpose of life. Folks who lose a sense of, of, of the purpose of life and the meaning of life go into depression, despair, and suicide. Because you were made by God to understand what's going on and how my life fits together. He put eternity in your hearts. And so there's an agony of saying, life's going on, events happen, I don't know what's going on. I can't see the puzzle. So it's kind of like this. Something happens to you. This is an event in your life. And you say, what's going on? Uh, you know, a season hits you. And, and you say, what is the meaning of this? And you promise, you can't see the rest of the picture. But God's put eternity in your heart, and there's a sense of, I want to know how it all fits together. Why is this happening to me at this moment in my life? How does it fit into the big picture? How does it fit into what God's doing in the world? I just can't see it. It seems totally wasteful and ludicrous that this is going on in my life right now, this loss, this winter, this fall. And uh, as a one commentator wrote, there's a veil on the human heart because the finite human mind cannot see into eternity. Now, as you grow older, maybe, as things happen in life, maybe you see another piece as you grow through life. But I want you to hear this. Even when you die, and you go be with him in heaven forever, and you reign with Jesus, sit on his throne, you are still not God. God is God. So we will never see fully as God sees, all fully, or else we'd be God. Do you understand this issue of surrendering to God is an issue of trust? Because God says, I am good, what? And my love endures forever. And God says, I have all of this. The times are in my hands and the events of history are in my hands, not yours. My call is for you to surrender, be broken, and joyfully receive the gifts I give you on earth and walk in holy awe of me and follow me. Even though you can't see how it all fits together. Now, again, someday we'll see another piece maybe. And then perhaps we'll see how it fits together to a certain extent at the end of life. The big picture. But we'll never see it fully, fully, because that would make us God, and we're not God. But I want you to catch this. There's an intricate design. There's a divine purpose 
in God. There's something in God's weaving together something incredible. In fact, um, Daryl shared it beautiful. It's like, it's like an embroidery of an oriental rug. You just see a piece. God's like, I got this whole thing, a design I'm working out in your life, but you can't see it as seasons and times hit you. And so my call for you is to fear me, live in holy awe of me, and instead of being, instead of being frustrated, constantly trying to control and manipulate life on your own terms, God says, surrender to me. Surrender to the joy of receiving my seasons. And it really is a choice. Ecclesiastes says there is no other, there's only two choices. And the fool takes the first one. The second acknowledges I'm not God, but God is God. So what does that look like? Let me just throw this out to you for a minute. There's a time to prepare, right? And Ecclesiastes talks about that, a time to, to plant, a time to uproot. There's a time to study, for example, a time to prepare and get ready. And I think many, many years ago when I heard Billy Graham, I never forgot this, and I heard him say it twice, actually in person, he shared about regrets in his early life. He said, I wish I had studied, gone to school, because he really didn't go to school, um, and uh, I wish I had prayed more and spent time with my family. He goes, but I couldn't wait. And now in his 80s, he says, it's a regret. I could not discern to see, I did not discern the season of God. I went rushing headlong as an 18, 20 year old and started doing these crusades. And I wish I had not. It was not God's time. I mean, I, I, I think of many friends I've had, you know, I have a good friend in particular, that, uh, you know, he wanted to get started immediately on leadership as a young man. And we were talking about preparation and study and all that. And he just said, I'm just, I'm going. And now many years later, we're still in touch. He regrets that to this day. He goes, I could not wait. I did not want to put the season in of preparing. I mean, I think of this Elks Lodge for us. You realize we've been waiting for this for a long time. We may close on Thursday, by the way. I told my daughter driving here, I said, it's Faith, she's 12 years old. I said, Faith, we may close. This may be the last day we come into life as a renter. She laughed. Yeah, right, Dad. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I'll believe that, yeah. You know? I said, you know what? But I said, I, said, I thought to myself, you know, I'm okay because after all the times, and I've tried to make it the season, and God has said, no, it is not the season. I'm, I, I, I said, no, Faith, if it doesn't happen, I'm okay. I said, I'm all right, but you know, it looks like it may happen Thursday. But how many of us are in seasons of preparation when there's not a lot of fruit coming out, but it's really a preparation season? I mean, think of parenting. I mean, if you're, if you've got, if you're a mom or dad with small children, that's a season. That's definitely a season. Or, or say, for example, you're, you're financially, you're getting yourself out of debt. You are tightening your belt because you've gotten yourself in a hole. It is a season to dig yourself out of debt and get on stable ground again. I mean, let's take spiritual disciplines. I, I, I'm a structured person, I, and I, I like a lot of structure to my devotional time. But there are seasons when I've got to throw the structure out the window. And I've got to discern the seasons of where I am in my walk with God that, that this structure will kill me. And I've got to discern where, where am I at, what's happening there, and make the adjustments appropriately so I can grow spiritually. But if I try to stay in the same structure that I normally do, three chapters of Bible reading, you know, and a prayer, and it, it, my, my spiritual life goes, goes dead. I mean, let, let's go on to, to, to marriage. The way you relate to your spouse goes through seasons. If you don't change and mature and grow with seasons in a way you relate to a spouse, that marriage will eventually grow very dry and stagnant. How about friendships? And relationships, you know, everybody's changing. I may be great friends with Daryl, but you know what? In three years, Daryl's not the same guy. So our relationship goes through a season change. As he's changing, I'm changing. But there are seasons in relationships. I mean, we can, we can go on. There are lonely seasons relationally. There are times God has us lonely. Do you believe that? God actually allows you to be alone. 
Now you say, I feel kind of lonely here. Now you can sit there blaming, ah, it's his fault and her fault. They should be calling me up and I should have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And, and you know what? But there's a time to refrain and a time to embrace. So I got to have a boyfriend. I got to have a girlfriend. You know what? No, you don't. There's a time to be alone where God's doing some work in you. There's a time to be in a relationship. But if I'm not discerning the time, because I just, I got to have it, you're, you're trying to be God. And you try to make something happen, and, and I can attest to this as a person who's tried to do it many, many times in my life. You try to make something happen, you will. But you know what? You will find that will grow dry as dust and will bear bad fruit. And you're wondering, why is everything so, I just feel like I'm, I'm fighting, I'm fighting life, because you're not flowing with God's seasons. He's moving and acting, and he's moving in and through you, but you're not. You're trying to be God and run life. And God says you can't do that without negative consequences. Little example, last one. I, 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 even as you grow in Christ through the years, God, I believe, gives us changing, like, passions. And our, our ministries, or our service to him, it changes with time. And so part of discerning seasons is maybe you are functioning in this role at this time. But you know what? As you've kind of changed and grown, God says, I want you to move from that. I've got something new for you in doing it this way now. Or, but, but you're saying, no, no, I, these are my gifts. These are my talents. I'm doing it exactly this way. And God says, no, no, no. I'm trying to change you and move you. I need you to loosen up. Again, I always think of the tin man. Put some oil underneath your, your, your joints and loosen up and let God shift you and change you and take you someplace new. But some of us, we're so stuck. We have such a need for control and knowing what's going on that we're, we just will not discern the season and go with the change. And God says, again, the theme of Ecclesiastes, you will be frustrated trying to control and manipulate life on your own terms. You can't do it because you are not God. And a true, wise follower of me walks in holy awe, the end of Ecclesiastes 12, and is broken by life because it's so far beyond me. And I walk in obedience to God as, as I see it, by his grace, even though I can't see the whole big picture. Oh, okay, listen. Look at let, let, now here, so here, here's, as you grow older, hopefully, I hope as you're getting older, and we all are here, you don't judge other people's seasons. And here's what happens. We say, oh, oh, he's going through a winter season. I'm going through a spring. Come on, get it up, Daryl. Smile. You know, or maybe you're going through a winter. You're going through depression. You know, you're going through a very tough time. You walk in church and say, what are all these people laughing? What are, you, what, are they, what are they praising God for? And you impose your season on the church. No, God's killing the church. I, can, I feel it. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, God's doing some hard things in you, but it doesn't mean he's doing a hard thing in everybody here. But some of us, we're, we're so, we're, we're so, we think we're so much like God that even when we go through a season, we impose it on everybody else. Part of wisdom is discerning your own seasons, discerning others. You know, what's God doing in other people? Help them cooperate with God rather than fight God. But even as a family, as we move through seasons as a church, and we understand a healthy church life, friends, we are, we are not in a winter now. I think we're in a, in a pretty good spring, headed to summer. But you know what? New life will go through winter. Now, what are you going to do when winter comes? You say, I'm looking for a church that's in spring. <laughs> I don't want to be here during winter. I want to be where it's warm. I'm getting on an airplane to Florida. God says, no, you will never grow up. You will never mature unless you walk through seasons. There is no other way to mature. That's how God works. This is, again, it's a farming act. It's farming. It's slow. It's transformation. All right, so here it is. So here's your choice. You can surrender to the joy of receiving God's seasons. Now look at verse, I want to close with verse 12. Verse 13 and 14. Verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live. Then everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction 
in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. But looking back to verse 12, God says, verse 13, God says, I want you to find satisfaction in all your toil. Eat and drink. This is the gift of God. That, that the reality is the times and seasons, are, we can't control them. They're in God's hands. But what we are called to do is really three things. Number one is we're called to enjoy the present. Enjoy the present as a gift from God. Now, what's going on in your life right now? Most of us spend our lives living in the past. Oh, I shouldn't have made that decision. Oh, I was bad. Oh, no good. Or we live in the future. Oh, when that changes, I'll be happy. When this goes on, God says, no, 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 no. I'm in control of the seasons. I want you to enjoy the present as a gift from God. That's why it says rejoice in James 1, 2, even in trials. Count it pure joy whenever you encounter trials of many kinds. Because God says, even in the present, the good things in your life are a gift. Think of all the good we have in our life. Right now, it may be a little chilly in here, but you know what? Thank God we are not in the snow right now. Receive it as a gift that we're in this room together on this day and it's reasonably warm that we can be here. Thank God that your brain is working. Thank God that you're alive today. Thank God that you have at least one friend in the whole earth. Thank God that there's something in you that desires God. That's all a miracle. Thank God that you have a job if you have a job. Thank God that you can work if you're not working. The fact that you're able to work at something. These are, he says, receive it, verse 13, as a gift of God. Thank God for the, what you're going to eat after, after this service. Thank God for the cup of coffee you'll have downstairs. Just thank, just live in the present. Enjoy the present. Versus always complaining and grumbling because it's not the season you want. It's not the way you want it. You want a double cup of coffee. I want it to be hotter coffee. It's too weak. Who made this coffee? God says, enjoy the cup of coffee. As a gift of God, you have a cup of coffee. And stop worrying so much. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6? Don't worry what you eat or drink or what you shall wear. God clothes the, the, you know, the fields and the birds of the air and you don't even know what evil tomorrow will happen. Just seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Live for God today and everything else will be given unto you. Enjoy the present. Be, we should be the most present people on the earth. We go to work tomorrow in school, be present with the gifts that are yours tomorrow at work and school. That's, that's wisdom because you don't control the seasons. God does. And then it says embrace your seasons. I don't know what season you're in today, and maybe you've got to think about it during the week. What season am I in right now in my life? Maybe you're in fall. Maybe you're in a transition time. You don't know what's going to unfold. Maybe you're headed to winter. You're like, oh, I don't want to go there. Well, sorry. Maybe you're in a winter right now, and you know, but I got good news for you. Spring will come if you'll be faithful to Jesus. But if you get bitter and angry and quit God, you may be in winter a very long time. Because you may go into a spring that you create. And those flowers, you ever, you ever try to smell those plastic flowers? They stink. Okay? <laughs> I remember my good friend, uh, Leighton Ford, been a mentor for me for many, many years. He's in his mid-70s now. And in 1996, and uh, kind of like in, this, in, the, in the book with my wife and I, things, everything was going bad for Jerry and I. And before that whole emotionality church thing got released and emerged, and I saw it all, I was very depressed. Everything was going wrong. And uh, I remember calling him, and I was crying on the phone. And I just, you know, I said, just, things are bad, you know. I mean, the way I was pastoring and leading, and it just, it was just, I, uh, he just said, he just, I remember him just being on the phone. He was just, he was so happy. He goes, Pete, that's wonderful. It's wonderful. And because he knew that the way I was living my life and the way I was leading and pastoring had to end. He could see it as a man in his mid-70s. That, that if I continued having spring on the external, I would die. He knew I needed a winter, and he knew God was giving me one. 
And he said this, I wrote it down, nothing ever ends, Pete, without something else beginning. Something is ending for you. But a new beginning cannot happen until that ends. And so something ended at that moment. I remember that, you know, that season of our lives and the way we pastured, the way we led, the way we functioned as a married couple, the way I, I did spirituality ended. It was very painful. I resisted it and fought it every inch of the way. But he goes, if you don't let this thing end, Pete, the new beginning will never come forth. Because again, I wanted to control the seasons of how it looked. I looked at some of oh, this guy pastoring over here. He's not going through winter. He's in spring. I want to be over there with him. God says, no, Pete, you know what? This is your season for winter. Receive it with joy so I can give you a revelation for the future. Some of us are not very good at embracing seasons. Some of us are very bad at it. We don't even think that way. And I want to invite you this morning to embrace your season, whatever God has for you, because God has a life for you to be transformed to the image of Jesus. But everybody must go through their seasons. And that includes winter, too. All right, let's do this. Did I write down the last one? Oh, good, I did. Really, the call, and the third thing it says here, and it says right here at the end of the verse, verse 14, God does it so that men will revere him. The call is to worship. And the reason we're doing communion today is we always do communion the first Sunday of the month, but also because nothing is permanent in life but God. Do you realize everything, every relationship, everything you own, every education, everything you know is all going to be, it's all going to go but God. You and God. The Lord's table and worship is central to life. It's a place of stability and permanence in God. Nothing else is stable. And so we're going to come together to the, to the table, recognizing that God is, I'm going to do three things, that God is absolutely and infinitely perfect. Do you realize it's impossible that God could ever do anything wrong? Not only that, God is great and infinitely beyond comprehension. If you could comprehend God, you'd be God. You'll never comprehend God. God's God, and he is good, and his love endures forever. And God's plans can never be frustrated. Do you know that when God says, my counsel shall stand, he means it? When God shuts a door, nobody's going to open it, even you. And when God opens a door, nobody's going to shut it, even you. And you know what? When God stretches out his hands to do something, nothing in earth or hell will ever stop it. Because God is in charge. And he says, the seasons are in my hands. My times are in your hands. So what I want to do, I want to invite you this morning for a new beginning to embrace change. Which I know for many of you, like me, I don't like to change. Embrace God changing and leading you to something, someplace new in Christ. And be willing to let go for God's sake. So I'm going to invite you all to stand, the worship team to come on forward. Now, as the worship team is going to lead us in, in worship, I'm going to ask that we do two things. One is, as we're worshiping, we're going to, the, the, this table set up all around the front row and the back. And it says that on the night of when Jesus set up the institution of the Lord's table, it says he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke the bread. And he said, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. Now, the key thing to remember here is, the bread was broken. Okay, Christ was broken. I want to invite you to come to the table surrendered, broken by life. Saying, I am not Lord in control of life. I'm not going to try to manipulate things, be God. I'm going to surrender to you, Lord, and your seasons, your plans for my life. 
We come to the table broken. Now remember, we come in the name of Jesus alone. We don't come based on our own performance. We don't come in guilt and shame. Who deserves to come to the table? I know I don't. Neither do you. We come through the blood of Jesus. In his righteousness alone. In his perfect record, not our own. And then Jesus said, took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. When you drink it, do it in remembrance of me, saying, This is stable. This will last forever. Your relationship with me. Everything else is going to pass away. So I want to invite you this morning, all of us, to break, to surrender. Come to the table for a fresh forgiveness for trying to run life on your own. Surrendering your heart to God and saying, oh Lord, help me to be present with joy. To worship you, to live for your glory. And to put everything else aside. So I invite you to just close your, bow your heads with me for just a moment. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, and you've been trying to run your life, and today may be your day to surrender your life to Christ. And say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins for running my own life or fighting you. And today, for the first time, offer your life to Jesus. And come forward and say, yes, Lord, I want to be a Christian. I want to be born again from heaven. I want to come to this table in your name. And you come. And I know there are many, many others as well that you are here today and you are truly in rebellion. You've been running your own life. You've been independent. You've been doing your own thing. And it, God put eternity in your heart and you know it's wrong. So I want to invite you to repent this morning. Turn around. Say, Lord, forgive me. And come to the table to eat and drink of Jesus. The new covenant of his blood. Let his blood wash over.